0: Denver Sports presents The Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans, presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now here's your host with the latest on the Burgundy and Blue, Mike Evans. Hey, everybody, welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast brought to you by Four Comfort Gutters. I'm Mike Evans, and let's get right to our guest, Ray Ferraro, 18 years in the NHL as a player and now an outstanding analyst for ESPN and welcome him to the podcast. Ray, how you doing?
1: I'm um, doing great. I'm, um, you know, we're into the, the kind of feels like the meat of the season now and starting to see, What teams are and what they're not and you know for for me I've you know I've been lucky enough to do this for 23 years and uh, on the broadcast side and what what changes year to year is often the same year to year and there's you know there's teams that are pumped there's teams that aren't and everybody in the middle and it's uh, but we're starting to get into what teams really are now
0: well, I do want to get a more global view of the NHL as we, we move along, but I'm, I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on the, the avalanche because you saw them uh, first game of the season against right. uh, Chicago, and right now they're in a span of hockey where they're 2-4 and four in their last six games, and we're speaking right after they lost to Seattle, and they're 4-5 and five in their last nine games against Seattle, and the Ooh. Kraken have scored the first goal in all nine of those games. What is it about that uh, about Seattle that makes this such a tough matchup for the Avs?
1: Well, I, you know, I I don't really know because it it the the thing that Seattle causes problems for teams is that they're very fast, and you know, like they're they're fast really up and down their lineup. When Colorado plays at their best, they're a very quick team. Like they, it's it's not just that McKinnon can skate really fast and McCarr can skate like he does it's that they play the game quickly but they seem to have trouble squaring up against Seattle's speed and it you know I mean that's how Seattle got to the playoffs last year that's how Seattle knocked Colorado out and then almost you know almost got through the second round too and um I I, I think Colorado's a in my mind they're an interesting team because the the top end of their roster is so exceptional I I think People expect that to be exceptional every night, which it can't be. Right? There's just too many games, and where they might run into trouble is past those top guys. Can they get enough from the rest of their group? Um, and and that's kind of an ongoing thing for them. I mean, there's you lose Gabe Landeskog, and like you don't just find another. Gabe Landeskog, right? Like, there's, there's just you just don't have it. I mean, gee, how did they get him? They finished last and drafted him nice. first, so they're, you know, you're, they're those guys just aren't out there. The
0: ABS are two and four in their last six, mm-hmm. and this is after the six and zero start. And earlier this week, Jared Bednar talked about needing more
1: commitment. What does that mean to you when you hear that word? Well, it means on the nights you don't have your best game, you don't have your your A game, your legs, your, you know, there's some nights you just, man, you just feel it, right? Like everything comes to you, you know, where it goes, you get it to the right person at the right time. And other nights it just, it isn't there. So to me, the commitment is to put the, to have the work there, have the work available all the time or as much as you can. So on the nights you don't have it, you the edges of your game. Don't get soft because on. Like I, I said this a little earlier, like about the you know the top end of their roster and how you know how incredibly gifted they are, but if everybody loses five or seven percent of their game, not much, right? Just a little bit, and that goes through your roster, then you're not committed into the way that you have to play, and not everybody can do it. I mean, I I would say I was um, I was an average detail guy you know like I I when I when I felt it I was really sharp when I didn't I'd get frustrated and the more frustrated you get the harder you try the harder you try the worse it gets and you have to as I've learned is you have to be able to settle back on something that is consistent and I think you would you know you, abs fans would agree like you when you watch their team the the most frustrating part is sometimes they're all over the map they're like they're great and then they're no good and then they're great and that might even be in the same period and you're like like how does that happen and so I think that's what Jared is talking about about commitment into the into the hard detail boring part of the game
0: busy with ESPN analyst Ray Ferraro and you mentioned that the supporting cast there's no doubt the avalanche core is outstanding one of the mm-hmm. best if not the best in the nhl but that <clears throat> supporting cast joe sack and chris McFarland. they kind of retooled it this year new faces uh, miles wood ryan johansson ross colton jonathan Drewen, uh, Thomas uh tatar do you like these
1: pieces around the core potentially um i i think i like some of it um Look, they. Yeah, I, th- Jonathan Drouin, till the day he leaves this game, will have beside his name third overall pick yep. in the draft. He's not that anymore. Like his his career is gone. You know the way it's gone, and there's a reason you're able to sign him for eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So you can't expect three million dollars of production out of a player that is really kind of. He might be on his last swing here, and the reason they took the swing is because of the familiarity with with Nate McKinnon, and maybe you can capture a little bit of that. But if you you go back, I I had the number when um uh when I was you know when I did the Avs games, and I I want to say he has like eight goals in his last hundred and seventy games. Hmm. You know, like it's just so you they're kind they're hoping maybe lightning will strike there a little bit. Uh, and if it does, then that's a spot that maybe they get a, a production that exceeds what they really think is possible. Thomas Tatar's got you know he scores twenty goals all the time. Pace is always a problem with Thomas. Um, I've known him since he broke into the NHL. He was drafted in Detroit, uh, same year as my son, and so I, I watched him literally from his first steps in the, in pro hockey. And he's a smart player, but he seems like he's not in sync with what they're doing and how they play in Colorado and uh, it's not an effort thing really with either of them it's not both of them have the common thread that they're not super fast and the pace of the Avs' game might be a little much for them I like Colton I think he's uh, he's a, a solid player he's a third line player but he's a solid guy Miles Wood is what you see is what you get. Like there's going to be some nights like the other night against Jersey where he's all over it. And then there's going to be some nights he's, he's quieter. But he's big and he's strong and he can skate. Um, when, you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to work around the edges of your roster, you don't have a lot of money to spend. And so you make these low, uh, low dollar bids and bets and hope that a couple of them hit. Because they're not all going to. Do they have enough to win a Stanley Cup? I, you know what? I'm in November, the whatever it is today. I was going to give mm-hmm. you the date, but I forgot. I think it's, is it, would it be the 10th maybe today? 10th.
0: Yeah. yeah 10th. There
1: we go. See, I was, I, I got it. Not bad. Um, I'm going to say no, I don't think so. And the reason is because I don't think they have the depth to, to beat an LA or certainly Vegas like the the in a playoff series, the depth becomes so critical because guys are going to get banged up and then you need more from the top end. Like think of when the abs won and some of the production, they got like big goals from players that you might not have expected to score. And you don't, they just don't appear right now. Like they have that. However, In a month, some of these guys might settle in. And so everybody wants the answer today. But really, the answer is such a long answer. You know, and and I think that's the, the challenge of this schedule is like, you can be bad, good, bad, good. And all of a sudden, if you can just get yourself into position to get in, then you legit have a chance. I mean, would I? So, yeah, I'm saying, no, I don't think they have enough. But I think they're a contender. You know, like there's they're, they're right in that group is Patrick Kane, the potential answer. Oh boy. Um, okay. So nobody has come back from that surgery and been exceptional like that. That's a big surgery to, that, you know, and, and so history tells, tells me that to expect Patrick Kane to be Patrick Kane that we know of, if even just a couple years ago, might be a stretch. But maybe he's different. You know, like, he's so smart. He he really is. He, he, he plays the game like a genius to go with the skills that he has. Now, I watched him in New York last year in the playoffs. We did a lot of their games down the stretch. And he just, he wasn't the same. You know, and so, but if you're asking me, Could Patrick Kane be an upgrade in their top six on what they have? Yes, absolutely. And he wants to go somewhere that's got a chance. He doesn't, right? Like he wants to play. He wants to try to win. He wants, like this is a, really for him, when he comes back, it would be, this is like a last kick at the can health-wise for for Patrick. Speaking of health, where is your level of optimism
0: or pessimism about Gabe Landerskog's return?
1: No, not this year you know, I, I just don't see it. And um, man, it, it sounds like the complications of rehab of the type of injuries that he's had to, to deal with or leave everything up in the air. Now, you know, like I I tore my ACL. I had six surgeries on the other knee. That was the good knee. And you just don't come back the same in in most cases to be away for you know, almost two years, it would be, uh, I mean, if he's able to come back, man, that would be amazing. If he does, what type of Gabe Landeskog is there? Because so much of his game is energy and emotion and physicality. And would he be able to do that? I mean, I, I I don't know how anybody could have any, any real sense of that.
0: Busy with ESPN's Ray Ferrero, based on, and judging on your, Experience as a player and now as an analyst. Help me out with this one because we've seen some debatable hits lately. Uh, And we saw one in the Seattle game with um, Andrew Cogliano getting hit from behind. No penalty was called. Uh, Bo Byram stepped up, ended up getting in a fight, ended up getting the extra two minutes. Right. After the game, Jared Bednar came out and said, look, it's pretty simple. The, the back was turned, the numbers were shown, it should have been a penalty, it wasn't. I think a lot of hockey fans, myself included, are kind of frustrated because there doesn't seem to be any real rhyme or reason or any real consistency when it comes to legislating these hits. What is a good, hard-hitting mm-hmm. hockey hit?
1: What is over the line dirty? Well, I, I would say, okay, dirty is different than a bad hit, like dirty to me, uh, is intent. Um, and a lot of these hits, I don't think there's intent does not mean it's not a penalty, but, and I, 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 I hear the frustration because to me, any hit from square up behind the guy should be penalized. The three feet around the boards, all the way around the rink, three most dangerous feet, in in the sport and um, the potential for something really bad to happen is right there. The speed of the game, it doesn't take much for a player to start to make a hit, to commit to the hit. And then the guy with the puck try to do something else in turn, because as I'm making the hit, if I'm going to hit you, I'm anticipating what you're going to do. Like that's part of my, you know, my angle and my direction. And if you do something else, I might not in some cases be able to stop. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a fender bender and the car stops in front of you and you know, you have to stop, but you bump their bumper. And I, you know, I've had it each way. Right. And you're like, you know what you have to do, but you can't, there's no time. And so it might look, like if, if there's a couple of feet between me and you and I'm going to hit you, it might look like that's lots of time, but really it's a heartbeat. And so I don't think you can even legislate all of them to be a penalty, but I'm always on the side of, of caution. Of I'd rather make that call more than less. And if the players don't like it too bad. Because in the, when you're in the fog of the game, you can't see the danger sometimes. You, if you're the official, that has to be paramount in, your, in what you look at. And I, and I think sometimes the, the game happens really fast and, oh, I think that was a penalty. Was it a penalty? And then it's too late and it's on to the next play. I, I think that likely happens a lot taking a look at the nhl
0: season so far again we're still in the infant stages so you can't draw any hard and fast conclusions but at least to this point is there a most surprising nhl
1: team so far for you oh i think there's a couple um you know i live out in vancouver and i don't think many people had vancouver off to the start that that they're having i did the game last night in ottawa they didn't play their a game but they won anyway in the past that wouldn't that wouldn't have happened. Um, Los Angeles just won seven straight on the road and they, they lost last night, but um, that's, I think that's a better team than, than I thought. Now, is their goalie going to hold up their goaltending? Cam Talbot? I don't know, but that's going to be a question. Uh, Boston, I thought without Bergeron and without Krejci, that they were going to take a a big backwards dive. They had to trade Taylor Hall for cap purposes. It looks like they're never going to give up any goals. And, you know, like it's, it's amazing. And so they're rolling along again. I, I didn't see that, you know, like I, I didn't see that on the other end. I mean, it's, it's hard to look past the, the Oilers, right? Like who, who saw that? I mean, they go into San Jose and they lose last night. Um, They're a mess. And here's the problem in season. Mike It's like, "How do you fix it? What trade is there? How, who's who's got a deal that's really going to help you out?" The answer is nobody. Or if they do, you know, they're not they're not your friend. They're not they're not giving you, you know, a really a really great deal. And so Edmonton would be by far uh, the most disappointing team in the league.
0: Oh, you got to fire the coach, right? I mean, unfortunately, fire the coach. Hope for the new oh. coach bump. Well.
1: What else, you know, I'm not advocating for anybody to lose their job here, right? right. But but I'm totally with you. Like, what else are you going to do? Like, could you, and you don't need to have the best goaltending in the league, but you can't have the worst. Edmonton has the worst. So that makes Jay Woodcroft a really bad coach. Mm-hmm. Whether he is or isn't, if the guy yeah. in the back can't stop the puck ever, then you've got it. You've got problems i mean the it, it's crazy like i think this is maybe the the best part of sport is the unpredictability of it like six weeks ago when everybody was picking like all the media and that were picking their stanley cup contenders the oilers were one of them now here we are 14 games into the season and oh my god you can't even believe it like how does that happen it, and, and I'm I'm sure Kenny Holland and and the staff in Edmonton are trying to figure out too just exactly what's gone wrong so badly.
0: Well, this has been great. I gotta tell you, we talked a little bit before we started. Mark Schlereth, my radio partner, I told him that we were gonna be visiting. I said, Did you cross paths with Ray at ESPN? He goes, Oh, yeah, I loved Ray, chicken
1: parm. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I assume you really love chicken parm. Okay. So I think it's the, I think it's the best meal on the planet. Um, there was no end to the amount that I can eat it. Uh, but here's how this started was uh, back in the day, ESPN was like one building, right? Like, and they were just building a, a, this new digital center that was going to change everything. Right. Of course I got six buildings past it now, but there was no, there was no cafeteria. So I would get there in the afternoon. We'd have our show meeting, and then we'd we'd eat. But then we'd watch games till the show NHL tonight started. There was this one little t- tiny Italian place across the street, and like I was there for a month, and I ordered I think I ordered chicken parm twenty five times. And so one day I spill it. We had these lousy plastic forks. And it, the fork broke, and it fell in the sauce, and it splashed all over my suit. And we go on the air, and John Butchergrass decided to tell everybody why I was wearing my jacket the way I was. And so he started calling me Chicken Parm. And, man, that was, I don't know, 25 years ago. And yeah. now I Chicken Parm to the day and still eat it, still love it. That is great.
0: What a great story. Yeah. Well, Stink likes to brag that he's a hockey guy. So should we give you all the credit or there all the blame for –
1: whatever uh, he knows about hockey all of it i will say if we could have taught that fella how to skate <laughs> then you would have had a defenseman yeah he he's a an eclipse so when he would i'd walk into the like we we'd do a hit on the news or on you know, on sports center and you know sometimes i'd have to get in the you know the chair after an nfl guy would leave and you know, on a good day, I'm five nine. Like that's when everything's going the right way. <laughs> and so that chair, they'd have it like basically on the floor, and my chin would be right on the desk. And I, they'd be like, "You gotta raise the chair." I'm like, "Yeah, I got it." The yeah. guy that got out of the chair is six eight,
0: so <laughs> I, I got it right. So snake more of a defenseman, I or maybe that just oh, right winger that just skate, skates his lane, beating people up. I don't know.
1: I, I'd like I'd like him on on the blue line. I would. Yeah. He covered yeah. a lot of space back there. That would <laughs> that that would that would be my spot for him. Ray, this has been a lot of fun. I know you're
0: going to be coming through town many more times yeah. this season with ESPN. We look forward to it, and I would love to be able to do this uh, again throughout the season.
1: You betcha. You reach out and uh, love to do it, and love coming to Denver. Love coming. I'm going to be there uh, pretty quickly with the Canucks when they're there. I think it's like the 22nd. OK, um, so I'll be in town for that and uh, love coming to Denver. One of the one of the great spots. Look forward to it. Ray Ferraro, everybody,
0: then. that'll be uh, something to, to look forward to. We thank you for coming on with us. The Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by Fort Comfort Gutters.